to the Pastor and the Witch podcast recorded here in Muncie, Indiana. I'm Jordan Butler and I'm here with my husband. Grant. And we are so happy to be back. I think it's been about two months since we recorded an episode and um, we have been super busy with school. So that's why we kind of put everything on the back burner. So tonight we're going to do a little refresher and talk about why we started this podcast. (laughs) A bug just flew in my face. Yeah. No shit. Yes. Something. <laughs> Anyways, yes. A refresher. So, babe, why did we start this podcast? Because you were so unhappy. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just joking. No. Uh, I think we started this podcast, uh, really, that's something we talked about for a long time, and we were going through a lot of things and, and growing and just new to being together, being married. and Yes, and all of our current listeners know our story, but if you are new tuning in, my, my husband used to be a pastor at a um, Christian, church. Christian church, and I am not a Christian. I am a pagan or witch, whatever. I don't really practice heavily. But you, do you ride the broom? <laughs> oh my God, I ride the broom. <laughs> we can't go any further into that story. <laughs> inside breaking. joke, inside joke. Um, but yes, and we both have a past. Um, we've been through quite a bit of trauma. Um, I have a history of very toxic, abusive relationships before I met my husband and. Um, we've talked a lot about that and babe, what have you been through? I was a compulsive gambler. I grew up in the Bahamas. I can never be serious. It was fucked up. No, um, no, I, I have a history like everybody else, you know? Um, I, I think like answering your question, like why we started this podcast, it was really, uh, something for healing for us. Yes. You know, um, it wasn't rooted in revenge or malice or anything like that. And that's why we started. It took us so long to start it because if we had started it earlier, it would have been like filled with just a bunch of hate and mm-hmm. talking shit. Rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. On a side note, this is the first time we've recorded since our studio is finished. We it's it's pretty much finished. We still have some LED lights to put up, but. It is so cool and relaxing to be in here, don't you think? Yeah, eventually we'll do uh, videos once we get the right camera. We're fucking poor right now. Yeah, like everybody else. (laughs) Yep. Waiting for the stimulus package to come through. Oh, God. (laughs) Thanks, Mitch McConnell. I'm just joking. People in Kentucky. I still have family in Kentucky. Yeah? Yeah, I think they're, I mean, I don't know them. Oh, and Biden won the election. Woo! Here's a funny thing with that. Fuck Trump. 
I have no, like, I don't give a fuck about Biden. You know what I mean? I don't either. But he's better than fucking Trump. I just, and you know, it's just like another politician. Yes, I'm glad that, you know, maybe it's something new, I hope. I mean, I don't know. I think of, like, that Who song, you know? Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. And it's like, this... Yeah, I don't want to get political, but just like the Democrats and the Republicans, same thing. Yeah. But, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying, though. But, yes, let's change the subject. We don't want to talk about politics. No, we want to talk about good stuff, happy stuff. So we started this basically telling our stories, um, how we came together, what we were going through before, and then what led up to just us meeting each other and seeing like starting to see each other and blending our families and all that kind of stuff. And then how my livelihood was affected, um, getting let go from a church. That was my full-time job. Uh, and then also like how that kind of came to be and a lot of the stuff that happened. And it's so crazy if you think about it because <laughs> it's really, I mean, that was, it'll be, It'll be two years in January, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, two years at the beginning of January. Um, and so much shit, like good shit, has happened since then. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, it's crazy to think that what all has happened in two years, just from, just in our lives. I mean, besides the fact, like, the kids getting older. You know, Michaela's going to be graduating high school this year. All that stuff. But just really, like... You're in school, I'm in grad school, you know, I'm working a job that I like, and... And you're able to use your gift. Yeah, and it's a stepping stone, you know, to, like, where we want to be, where I want to be, like, I hate to use the term professionally, but in a sense, professionally, and there's other things coming up that, um, you know, I don't know, should we talk about the band? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so, yes. All right, we are starting a band called Lame. What? Well, I was just saying, I don't know if we should say the name. Yeah. No one better steal our fucking name <laughs> because Lame is awesome. I don't, if they steal it, I don't care. I'll still take it. Okay. We Good. will still take it. But yeah, I'm going to be learning bass and I'll be lead vocals. I just want to tour again. like. And you're going to sing too? Tour. I'm excited I and tour, nervous. Yeah. I've always had like a, a dream to like be in a band because I love singing. I honestly don't know my voice yet, but I will find it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and we have a lot of, of it. we have a lot of friends who are musicians too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I played in bands for years, and it's one of those things that I think once you get into it, it you know, like the people that really love playing music, just love. There's really no. The only positive reinforcement you get from it is just the act of playing it. It's not like there's money. I mean, touring is definitely, you get to see places, you get to meet people, you know, things like that, but there's no fucking money, and and that's totally fine. I mean, you know, gas money's nice, but, like, when it comes down to it, the only positive reinforcement is just playing, and I think, like, to when you're going to do anything in life, like, if your motivation is money, then... You should stop because you'll never be happy. Yeah. You know? 
Well, one thing I'm excited about with playing is, I know it'll be a while down the road, but I really would love to play at that new venue here, at that church that they turn into a venue. That looks yeah. absolutely beautiful inside. It does. I don't know what that's called. I can't remember either. I don't know what, you know, part, I was like looking at those pictures that they posted online. I think it's called like North Church or something. I mean, it's a bar, but it used to be a church. But they kept all the original like chipped paint or wall, you know, and I don't know. It just looks really neat. I I went to a party there when I was in high school. Moth had (laughs) our next door neighbor, Moth Danner. Um, She had just, this is fucking hilarious. She had just brought the Electric Hellfire Club. Back then it was called Docs, but um, she had just brought the Electric Hellfire Club to Docs. And I don't know, like, I can't remember. Some shows back then, I remember, like, that show, they served me alcohol, and I was 16. But I think that show was an all-ages show. I can't remember. But you know how, like, when you're young, you're like, oh, I think I'm going to try it. Because then they're like, what do you want to drink? And I was like, well, I mean... Are they, I'm assuming they're not meaning like Coke. So I was just like, beer? And they were like, what kind of beer? And, you know, you're 16, so you're like, uh, Budweiser? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Coors Light. But the Electric Hellfire Club played, and they were a band fronted by Thomas Thorne. And um, they're a really good band. Uh, they were active in, in the Church of Satan, as far as I know. Uh, they, I mean, their music is a cross between, like, electronic, goth like dark pop nuevo dance but like with some like metal guitars to it it was really cool um i always liked them and some of them i mean they're was it their bass player no it was their keyboard player he was killed in a car accident and then when i got into a band they came out with an album called calling dr love and that was like his nickname because he was a huge kiss fan when you opened up the inside of the CD and you took the CD out, like the case was clear and there's a picture of this dude. I think, it, I can't remember his name. I think it was Sean. I, I'm probably wrong about that. But it was like him when he was like eight years old at a Kiss concert and he's standing there with Gene Simmons, you know, the doctor of love. And so they called it Calling Dr. Love and it was dedicated to him. But she had just brought the Electric Hellfire Club and she had a, a shop here in town called Dominion. And uh, it's like an S&M bondage type place. And uh, she threw a party at this. And I didn't, I mean, I kind of knew her, but like I would talk to her, but I didn't know her, know her, like how I became to know her. But she threw a party at this church and I went there and that was the first time I was in there. And it was like, it that thing has been like empty, abandoned for years. I mean, oh, wow. yeah, I don't, I don't remember like the last time it was like actually open as like a legitimate church building but i was looking at those pictures and i just wonder though it kind of gives me the vibe that it'll be like acoustic place yeah i can see that but it looks absolutely beautiful inside that's all i know it does and even if we don't play there i just want to go there and listen to bands and drink i just hope that it's not an acoustic place because we're not going to be an acoustic band and uh it would still, I mean, shit. This is a good time to start a band, though, because, you know, I think it'll be, the earliest it will be is probably the end of summer. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, yeah. when shows will come back. Uh, and that's like, 
that's kind of iffy. I'd say more than likely it would be 2022. Man. Before. Well, that'll give us plenty of time to practice and oh, yeah. find a drummer. Uh, we'll find. <laughs> we already have a few living by us. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. It would be cool, like you said, if we found a female drummer. Yeah, I want some, like, you know, I want, like, this butch, like, take-no-shit fucking girl drummer that just beats the hell out of drums. <laughs> that like would a be transgender awesome. Dave Grohl slash, like, Dave Lombardo, like, <laughs> drummer. That would be awesome. Trying to kill me right off the bat because you know how I am with loud sounds right now. I'm like, mm, I know it's mm, always funny every it's, time because I'm not used to it. <laughs> it's funny like when you have when like people will come to shows or like they'll come to a practice space and they're not used to like live music. And anytime the <laughs> anytime the drummer hits the snare, they blink and they kind of like jump a little That's bit. That's me right now. And it's hilarious when that happens. But no, I think uh, I mean we're gonna be a. It'll be a, a few different genres, but it'll just be like a guitar-driven rock band with like elements of doom and nothing and alternative and punk, you know? I mean, I want to be the Fred Cole and 2D Cole of... Dead Moon? Yeah, Dead Moon. Like, you know, I, I, a lot of people don't know who Dead Moon is, but Dead Moon was a band out of... Uh, they were based out of Clackamas, Oregon, it's just like a outside of just right outside of Portland, and they were a garage rock punk band, and they would they were married. Fred's passed away, so is the drummer Andrew. They're both dead, but Tootie's still alive, and he was just tired of getting fucked over by other band members and always having to find like a a bass player. So he just taught his wife how to play bass, and she told me that she didn't start playing until she was thirty. And when she told me this, she was probably, she was probably 56 or 57. And they played up until the year he died. And he collapsed on stage twice. And he died when he was 68, I think, had cancer. Yeah, that gives me hope since she didn't start playing until she was 30 because... I am a little nervous, but I pick up things quick. So. I mean, you play piano, too. You're good at piano. And, yeah. you know. But the cool thing about them was they were just like this total DIY type band. Had like a very big cult following in the underground. Really big in Europe. Not, so, I mean, they were, they were big here, but like, you know, not like most people don't know them. Only like people in the underground. And then when... You know, they started really kind of getting big. It was like the Seattle sound was taking off. And when Nirvana broke, like Nevermind broke, a lot of people don't realize this, but they broke when that that album, they were already on tour and they had like a a club tour already booked. So they were playing like these four or 500 venues, four or 500 person venues when that like blew up. So they had like to finish a three month tour before they could do like the official tour, and they were still playing like dives. They were supposed to tour with Nirvana, right? Well, after that tour, they had to do like an official Nevermind tour because it, you know, had went platinum and shit. And they asked Dead Moon to open up for them, and Dead Moon already had a tour booked. And I mean, you gotta take take it like in perspective. Like 
Nirvana was the biggest band in the world at that time. It was right when they first broke, like Smells Like Teen Spirit was everywhere. And they turned it down because they were like, we already have a tour booked. <laughs> and, you know, like Fred drove the van, you know, and like it was a three-piece. And, you know, they would go and tour for half the year and come home. And he'd run like a music shop and do construction and fucking... They owned, like, uh, like Tombstone Music, and then they had a bunch of different, like... It was basically like a strip mall. I was there, and it was like a convenience store and a locksmith and, like, a tanning salon, but they owned all that, and they rented that out, and he built that. And, I mean, they never they never got big, like what you would call big. But for me, I would, like, they're fucking huge, you know? Yeah. But that's, yeah, I want to, like, do that, where it's like they're still... I mean, he was playing when he was fucking 65 years old, and, you know. Well, I know Jesse and Josh, they had it, they played, I think, like, almost every night this past week, but they, um, actually, I, I forgot to tell you, but we wouldn't have been able to go anyway, but Thursday night, where they played at, the, well, it was at the Emerson, and it was, uh, like, kid-friendly. Oh, yeah. That would have been awesome. The Emerson Theater? Mm-hmm. So is that back open? Because I know it shut down and, like, those people opened up the Citadel. I'm pretty sure it was the Emerson. I thought that's what they said. Well, that's cool. I mean, it was sad when the Emerson closed. That was the oldest theater in Indianapolis. You know, I've been around since the late 20s or 30s. So many bands have played there. Like, hip-hop to punk rock to death metal. Rancid fucking played there. Where was that one place we went? That was... uh, Emerson. Okay. Austin's band was playing? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I'm pretty sure it was 68 the was there? Yeah. Yep. We saw 68 at uh, the Hoosier Dome, too, which is not like the actual Hoosier Dome that doesn't exist anymore, but like just a very DIY. I like that place, too. Club. Yeah, I, I, it's in it's in trouble, though, like most venues because of... Isn't the hi-fi in trouble? Yeah, that's what I hear. I hope they don't close. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't. I can't imagine being like a small business, let alone a business where you have to, you know, the only way to make it is have people come into your business. It's not like you can do takeout orders for fucking live venues, you know. But did they say like what it was like? What was the turnout like? Well, I haven't talked to her um, like personally about it, but I've just been watching her post. I mean, she was posting today about how grateful she is and how amazing the week has been, so... I it wonder, seemed like it was um, like people in masks and shit. Like in the yeah, um, actually, um, one of the mutual friends that said she had said she had an extra ticket and that she would give it to us, but she said it'd probably be one of the safer shows to go to because of people wearing masks and stuff. So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, anybody that gets to play right now, it's definitely a very fortunate thing, but an uncommon thing right now. Yeah, I know most people are doing. You know, like live shows online. Mm-hmm. Windhand just did that Leviathan session. Blue October is doing that too. Yeah, they just came out with an album, didn't they? Yep. And it's like fully out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was listening to them, listening to it on Spotify, and it's an amazing record. What's that called? It's uh, sadly I can't think of it. <laughs> I'd open it up, but, but our computer will crash. Yeah, this I can MacBook look at my Air phone. will crash. Let me get my phone. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like. I, you know, I just want to play. I don't give a... F- I'm like... It's so funny. Somebody posted something about, like, local shows are the same as they've always been, and they showed, like, a picture of a band playing with t- two people in the audience, and I was like, yeah, that's that's the way it is most of the time, you know? 
Yeah, um, it's This Is What I Live For, the new album. Oh, okay. Blue October, amazing. Yeah, but, you know, I, we'll, we'll get that. I mean, it's a good time to start a band right now because you have a lot of time to prepare. You only need yeah. 20 minutes. So. Lame. No Lame. one better still are fucking yeah. new. They won't. They already have the logo and everything, so. Yep. It'll be easy. Yeah, just like oldie, you know. Okay, but, so. Yes. Let's get so, back to. Okay. So yeah, I, you know, we started this podcast with the hope of sharing our story, healing, and with a big hope of people that have been through similar, not necessarily circumstances, but similar events in their life where things have happened that were somewhat out of their control and how they reacted and overcame those. This isn't like a fucking, like self-motivation speech but in the sense of like kind of like people hoping that people everybody goes through shit everybody hits hard times and could find some common ground with our story you know yeah i know that um a lot of women specifically have reached out to me about this podcast and just about posts that i put on social media because i do share my story a lot um and I'll go ahead and share. Um, the My daughter's abuser actually just got released from prison recently. Yeah, it's so, that's so fucking crazy. I mean, there was just a headline in the newspaper. They just they just convicted a guy, I think, in Henry County, is Newcastle. It gave him 18 years for dealing meth. Ugh. And then you have a pedophile. Who touches children who served three years. Three years, yeah. And that was basically max sentence for what he was charged with. It is crazy. Like, people who get in trouble for drugs will serve so much time, like years. But it's like, it's almost like, unless, and all sexual abuse towards a child, no matter, you know, I don't want to say this the wrong way, it's no matter how severe or. I don't even want to say not severe, but you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like that the only time a pedophile gets life or a max, like a life in prison, basically, is is if it's just this horrendous yeah. thing. But when I get online and look at like the sex offender list of people who live around you, you can see how many times they've been in trouble. Yeah, and it's like. They do a year here, and then they get in trouble again. They do two years, and then they might do four years, and then they're just right back out on the streets. Yeah. And it's just crazy. It pisses me off. It's so crazy, and that's why, you know, with one monumental thing that happened with this election was in the state of Oregon. A few things they voted (laughs) on, but the one thing in particular I'm talking about is the decriminalization of, of drugs out there. Um I know the world is watching now, especially our country is watching how that will, how that will play out, you know? I mean, I'm for it. I am too, and I agree with you. Like, they need to, you know, regulate it and, but put money towards treatment. Yeah, I mean, you, I think anybody, if you look at the war on drugs or how we try to, fix for lack of a better word drug addiction um 
you can't say that we've done it's been successful right i mean the way they've done it is to build more prisons and to privatize the prison system so and that's the one thing it's like at least you know even if this fails out there which i know they're they're basing this off of a couple different countries in the world and particularly portugal it's the step towards what portugal did portugal's had and they did this fucking 20 years ago they've had great success and i i mean even if oregon fails at least they're trying something Mm -hmm. you know and that's the way i look at it but that was our you know our hope i know a lot of women have reached out to you because you know let's face it a lot of women get fucked over i mean a lot of guys get fucked over too but a lot of mothers get fucked over uh in our in our world today and that's just the way it is yeah um and that's one thing i'm excited about with me going to school um i'm super pumped about a class i'm gonna be taking next semester it's women's psychology basically because women tend to have this pattern of being with piece of shit men and that used to be me you know, and I was very codependent, which is part of the problem. You know, I didn't want to be by myself, and I also wanted to be everyone's hero. I wanted to s- fix somebody yeah. and be the reason why they became better. And that, sh- that mentality is a huge problem. Yeah, it is. 20 seconds. Oh, great. He left me, so now I just have to sit here and talk. But... But yes, I think that is a huge problem. There are so many women out there who stay in abusive relationships and don't get out of them. And I've been there, so I understand. But the moment you step away, I mean, it's all about self-love and self-respect. You can stay in a toxic relationship and try to fix them, but they will never change they're the ones that have to change. But in, in reality, I don't even know if anyone can truly change. Um, it's just, yeah, babe, you're back. I'm rambling. <laughs> but Keep on rambling. I like the sound of your voice. Oh, my God. It took me, let's see, I'm 32. From the time I was, from the time that I was 15, basically, until I was 28, I was in a repeated cycle of terrible relationships. And I had three beautiful children in the process. But honestly, that was, those were the only good things that came out of it. And, you know, I grew up without my father. And I know there's a lot of women and men that grew up without their dad. And it's just a lot of broken families, a lot of broken homes result in that, I think. Like that mentality of, yeah. of destruction, self-destruction. Yeah, the self-repeating cycle, you know. And I, I think that like goes to quote like Johan Hari. He wrote a book called Chasing the Scream. And, you know, uh, Russell Brand kind of echoed this, and it's that opposite of addiction is connection, but the gateway to any of that is trauma. 
and I, I think that's what you know the idea that trauma is what leads to falling into those traps yeah and I know that when I finally made that decision to change my life I had to be alone like I had and I and honestly I had just gotten to that point where I did not want to be with anybody I I mean of course I had moments where I was lonely and I was scared but with what happened with my daughter and everything that I had experienced through the process I was done and I feel like I was lucky to hit that point because I feel like not very I don't know I don't know what it is in me that just changed not that I changed but my priorities changed and the way I looked at myself changed and I just knew that I had to be better for my children because I didn't want my children to go through the same. I didn't want them to choose a piece of shit person to be with. And that's what I was showing them as far as relationships. What they were seeing was not what I would want them to be, to show their children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I, that was the biggest thing is I had to be alone. I was alone or single for a year before you and I met. And I had never been single for that long. And it's not like I had been with all these different men, but every relationship I was in was a serious relationship. And it was like from one bad relationship to the next. And it wears on you. And, I mean, it, it would have killed me probably if I hadn't have stopped. But I'm thankful that I, I, I'm one of the few that are able to break the cycle but yes a lot of women do reach out to me because they I mean it's not like they tell me their personal stories but they they just tell me how inspiring my story is and how thankful they are that I share it because it helps them and and they tell me that it helps others too so I don't plan on stopping yeah I think that's um, a sign of success you know with the podcast I've noticed that you know, with, like, school and everything, it's just been so fucking hard to to get shit done and then have to keep up with the podcast. And I know we will, and I'm off for, like, you know, another month, and you'll be off for a month after next week, but... Thank God. It's, like, one of those things where it's hard to do when you're just, just fucking... Yeah, well, when we have four kids. Yeah. And you're working full-time, and we're both going to school full-time, and then have normal life responsibilities... It gets very overwhelming. Yeah. But, I, you know, I've noticed, like, I think you were asking me the other day about the analytics. And when we release an episode every week, on average, I don't follow, like, the analytics on Apple very much just because Spotify is easier to get to. And, um, but it's like our podcast grows by, like, it's usually 3 to 6%. So what that means, and that's just like from Spotify and Apple's a little bit different. It measures it a little bit differently. And I don't even like look at iHeartRadio or Stitcher or any of that shit, but it's, uh, it'll grow three to 6%. So it's about on average, you're about 20 to 25%, you know, a month. So like to keep it easy, if you have like a hundred listeners by the end of the month, you're at about 120, 125. So you know, every quarter you're going to double. 
you're a listener. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's fine. I don't really give a fuck about, well, you know, too. And one thing, which most people probably already know, but we no longer have a website. Yeah. That was a pain in the fucking yeah, ass. Squarespace was absolutely, it was, I don't know. It was just stupid. So we just stopped paying. So we no longer have yeah, a website. Like so we're 40 bucks a month and it didn't really. Yeah, and like it wouldn't let us set up a like a what was it we tried to yeah the like the donation, donation button it was so it was making it super complicated to set that up and so yeah we no longer have a website so we're strictly going to be using Facebook I think that's yeah, the best Facebook. and eventually we'd like to start us uh, probably an Instagram but I don't know we're just using Facebook right now yeah I mean and you're like the social media one I'm not really social media is cool like don't get me wrong I mean it can be bad but if you use it for the right reasons, it's really cool. But I don't like it as much as you do. And you're good at it. And you're funny with it. <laughs> well, thank you. How many followers do you have on TikTok? Um, I have like, when you look at it, it says I have 33.4. But when I actually go to my analytics, I have about 37,500. And didn't you make like, wasn't it like 39 cents last month? Uh, yeah, I've gone up to about $4 now. $4 a month off of your TikTok post. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's funny, but it shows you like. Shit ton of them are fucking kids though. <laughs> well, that's I'm TikTok, starting. Though. I'm starting, I know. But I mean like <laughs> young kids, like Haley's age. Um, but, and me, everyone's like, oh, you're TikTok famous. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. TikTok is so much fun. I love it. It's there's so there's really a lot of creative people on there, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of funny stuff. I got on there, but it was all like fucking 11 teen year olds like shaking their ass. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> I don't want to look at this shit. So I, yeah, well, the algorithm is really weird. And I'm still like, I'm not savvy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm still learning. Um, but the algorithm is really weird. You like and sometimes it'll completely change too. Like if you like certain videos, then more of those type of videos will pop up. But then yeah, all of a sudden, all these random videos that you never see pop up. I don't see know. that? Like I, I didn't like anything. But that's like I never like anything on Instagram except your stuff and Michaela's stuff or like Kent's stuff. But if you look on my like Instagram, whatever feed, not like the feed, but like the search. when you hit search, all yeah, that. it's a bunch of like women and shit. With their boobies hanging out. Uh, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I've never. It's probably because you don't ever liked... search for stuff. Uh, well, it, I would think it would be music though, because you watch. There's a nothing bunch, but music. There is a bunch of like guitar shit on there, like pedal manufacturers. But there's a shit ton of women, and there'll be like some dudes on there doing like you know, weird shit too. Like, but yeah, it's it's weird. Don't lie, babe. You secretly <laughs> look up women and their big tits. <laughs> That's fucked up. You wish you could just put their face and be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. That's that's totally me. I'm living out <laughs> Motley Crue videos in my life. Kent's laughing right now, thinking about Motley Crue videos. <laughs> but yeah, I do love social media. Um, I got a little carried away during the election. I pissed a lot of people off, and I lost a lot of followers. Yeah, but you it's probably okay. did piss okay. a bunch of people off. It's Whoa, fine. It's fine. Um, we can talk about that some though, like more through the lens of the church, like where I came from and how, you know, I have a hard time with the church and Christians in general, not all Christians and, and not all churches, but a 
lot of the churches, especially around, you know, most parts of the country where uh, Trump was their their savior. And, you know, that was the same way with W and two Corinthians. Yeah, two Corinthians. That's a that's a funny thing. But, (laughs) you know, like the reality of just like uh, being able to box in God with any political party is is sad, but it's comical, but it's sad. And, you know, that was the biggest issue. So I had to get off social media because I would get on there and I would see, like, pastors that were proclaiming Trump. And um, I just saw this bullshit. And idiots, like, you know, that would get on there and they would say things like call out, like, COVID-19 and, you know, like the Kenneth Copelands and things like that where they'd call out COVID-19. And then they, you know, he was laughing about Biden winning and all this stuff. And it was just like... That was my biggest issue because me coming from, I mean, I didn't come from a church like that. I didn't come from a household like that, or I wasn't raised like that, but the church that I worked at, it wasn't like that originally. And then towards my last, especially my last three years there, four years there, it turned into your typical church and it turned into, you know, I I didn't vote for Obama. I, I didn't vote. I you know, and a lot of people are like, how can you not vote for Obama? I'm like, dude, I'm fucking Democrats. Like, I, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm not um, a political person, and I do have my political leanings like anybody else, but, you know, I don't trust Democrats either. And, um, but at the same time, like, I would have had an issue if I was at a church and they were saying, you have to vote for any, they could have said Bernie Sanders, you have to vote for anybody. I'm like, no, that's bullshit this isn't right but then when they put somebody like trump up there and mike pence and say that this is the will of god um it's it would be to me i'm not saying trump and it's really pence, strange yeah and i'm not saying they were like adolf hitler but it, there's a lot of similarities in how that what the church did if only you could see my facial expression right now well, <laughs> and, and but like a lot of similarities what the church did with any kind of dictator that came to power and where as long as it fits their agenda and as it pertains to who and that's what I mean the church I came from you know it was like I would use the term right winger and it was just like I mean I might as well have been at the pulpit saying the word motherfucker because (laughs) that's a blasphemy like how can you not you know I mean I had people tell me the more you grow in your faith, the more conservative you will become. And in my eyes, I was like, man, you know, like, I experienced the opposite, where, like, the more I would grow in faith, it was, like, the more calm and peaceful I'd become and the more accepting and open and the more um, I would lean towards pacifism and peace rather than warring and making people afraid. I mean, like, if you're... If you're a leader and the poor fears you, that's a sign. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was going to say something, but I forgot what I was going to say. But, oh, regardless of what anyone believes, but if you are a Christian and you believe the Bible to a T, in my opinion, with everything that's been going on, I feel like this is exactly what the Bible is warning you about. Are warning us about. 
You would like, think. Like the Antichrist. Everyone thought that Obama was the Antichrist. But, I mean, honestly, Trump fits more of the Antichrist yeah. than Obama ever did. And, it, I mean, and I, I mean, we're, I won't get into all that. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It's The world is a fucking mess. That's all I know. And... And all these conspiracy theories, which I don't want to get in all that either. Don't get me wrong. I love a few conspiracy theories, but all these things are going around about fucking vaccines and microchipping you and, all, you know, and <clears throat> one, they can't force you to get a vaccine. Two, viruses have been around for hundreds of years, yeah. along with vaccines. And like, if you're worried about getting microchipped, do you have a driver's license? Do you have a phone? Do you have a computer? Do you have a bank account? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're already fucking microchipped. Yeah, I mean... But it's just some of these conspiracy theories that have been going around lately have just blown my mind. And I know one thing I've learned with social media, especially, is... And I used to be really bad about this, and I did get... I kind of slipped back into it during the election, but I stopped responding to people because I just can't argue. Like, you can't argue. You won't win. And... It's a drain. Yeah. So even if I post something now, if someone's comments, if it's if it's something that I can just give a simple response to and not really it be an argument, then I will. But if it's something that I know is just stupid, I just let them say it. And I don't yeah. respond. I don't react because it's just pointless. It's really like encountering a street preacher. They want you to argue with them. The worst thing you can do to a street preacher is ignore them. Walk on by. I remember walking through, I told you this, um, walking, it's been a few months back. I mean, it was still warm out. I was walking through Ball State and they, um, were, you know, they were, I'm assuming students, but I don't know, but they were talking, uh, had like the abortion. Yeah, yeah. They were out there. What do you call them? Like the pro-lifers? I guess pro-lifers. Yeah. And I was walking and they had like this huge picture and it was a dead fetus. Yeah. It was like this just dead fetus and I looked at it and I shook my head just minding my own business but the girl saw me and she I can't remember exactly what was said but she's like so what's your opinion about abortion and I was like well I'm pro-choice and she goes choice of what I was like choice to do what they want with their own fucking body and I just walked on see like the fact that you walked on she she was looking for that reaction I've seen those people you know and, and street preachers in general they want you know, an argument because they want, you know, they want their their platform to be fulfilled by them spouting their, I mean, a lot of it's hate. You know me, I, I am, I'm not for abortion. I am pro-life, but I'm also pro-choice because yeah, I'm a man. And <laughs> for me to be able to tell anybody what to do with their body, um, it just doesn't sit well with me. My whole thing is, though, like, how can you be, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, I'll bring it back to the church, because the finger needs to be on the church, but the church is so pro, our, you know, I've heard people pray in churches that they're happy that our soldiers are in Iraq spreading the gospel, which you can't spread a gospel with a fucking AR-15 in your hands. Um, You just can't. And to think that you can does not make any sense to me, and the fact that people believe that way is, is... it's, it's like you're scary. pro-life, but you're pro-war. You're pro-war. You're pro-capital punishment. It's like, you know? and I actually, you said this once, and it made total sense. And I, I don't understand it, but it's like all they really care about is them being born. 
yep. after that, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. Like, it's think like of the... all these children that are, are in um, foster care. Oh, yeah. You know. And... It is a shit ton. A shit ton. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. If you look at the numbers. And they're not hard to find. You don't have to fucking be a rocket scientist to figure that out. What's funny is, though, it was Alabama that made the law. I don't think it passed. But, like, you know, if you get raped, like, no abortion under any circumstances. And, so, and you know, they're like, we care about the kids. And they're, they're the last in the country for education, which means they put the least amount into the edu- public education system. So somebody said, if you really gave a shit about kids, you wouldn't be last in education. And it's true. Yeah. You know, like, if you really cared about kids, you know. And, and I've heard people say, like, people, like the Christians, they're pro-birth. They're not pro-kid. They're not pro-life because it's like just be born. And I think a lot of that is Christians in general. Yeah, I watched an interview with Brian Welch today, and I you know, I don't know if he – he doesn't – I everything I've – I'm not a corn fan, but everything that – I like that, corn. I mean, like they're cool for what they do, you know. I just – and I mean I'm sure those guys are cool, but – Can you teach me how to skit? No, no scatting. Scatting, scatting, scatting. Yeah, but you know everything. I've I've listened to him on some podcast, and I've listened to, I think his name's Sonny Sandoval, the lead singer of P.O.D. And when those dudes talk, um, I'm not a fan of P.O.D. at all. I'm not a fan of Corn. I mean, they're good for what they do. It's just not my thing. And but when those dudes talk. I listen to him and I'm like, man, you know, like I wish that all the people that, and I don't even know if they proclaim to be Christian. I, I, cause Brian was saying he's spiritual, he's not religious and I can totally identify with that. But when they talk, I'm like, man, I wish you would talk. I wish everybody would talk like this. Mm-hmm. And this lady in this interview today said, you know, cause he was talking about, he got a lot of shit when he left corn. And then when he went back in the Christian world, he's, he was like reading, some of like the comments and the emails and they were like, Oh, you're just a dog returning to your vomit. And Oh, I I guess you missed the money and fame and all this stuff. And he was just like, man, I looked at this as like a healing. And the lady was like, why do you think Christians are like that? And he was like, you know, I think Christians are like that. And the way he said, I think Christians are like that. There was a separation and not fully, but like, cause I don't identify myself with those people. You know, and I, there's a lot of years I struggled because, you know, none of the pastors I was around or the friends I had in the church were like that whatsoever. Um, some of them were more conservative than me, and there were even other people that were a lot less, they were more liberal than me. But he said, you know, I think there's a lot of immaturity, and I think that, you know, there's just a lot of disconnect and discord and hate. And, I mean, it's so sad that you have, we'll just say, Christian religion that is based off of pacifism. And I'm going to say socialism, but not socialism in the context of a government, but socialism in the context of taking care of your neighbor. And I think we've talked about this, you know, like where in Scripture Jesus was asked, you know, what's the most important of the Ten Commandments? And he mentions two of the Ten Commandments and basically says that if you follow these two commandments, it fulfills all of them. And it's very simple. 
love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So, I mean, that's the basis. Well, and even when I hear that, even when I, even though I'm not a Christian, I, I feel like the term God is very universal and that goes towards everybody, no matter what you believe in. I agree. I mean, you're, you're talking to somebody that believes like when a Muslim prays to Allah, it's the same God that I pray to, too. You know what that looks like in the cosmos or whatever. I don't know, you know, but I, I agree, you know. Back to the church. I mean, that's one thing that I always struggled with with church growing up, you know, because when I was young, I went to church a lot because my mom went and my grandma was a Catholic and I would go with her too. And I always hated going to church. And I think most kids don't like going to church, but I just never felt, I always knew, I knew from a very young age that that was not the path I wanted, but I was always told that was the path I needed to take. And that was the only path that I was allowed to take. And, and if it was any other path that was wrong or there was something wrong with me or I was bad, you know, so, but I just never felt like it was right. Not that I always felt like there was a God or I always knew there was a God. I just always, when I was, when I would go to church, I never fit in. I always felt judged. Um, my mom felt the same way, you know, and I've talked about this on previous episodes. My mom was a single mom and I was an only child and people looked at us, you know, like we were pretty poor. I mean, not poor, but you know what I mean? Like people judged us and we went from church to church to church because we never felt like we fit in. So we just kept searching and searching and searching and never found the right church. And, but what I was saying is I just always felt like there was a God or a higher power and that it was okay for me to not believe what they were telling me. Yeah. And, and that just felt controlling like, I just felt like they were controlling, you know, and, and in my mind, I'm like, how do you know? Like, how do you know this is the right way? Or how do you know what you're saying is the truth? And, yeah. you know. No, and, and I, I, you know, honestly, I don't <clears throat> think you can. I mean, what I feel that I believe, I, I feel it's 100% right. Um, but I also know I can be 100% wrong. And that is the context of faith. I mean, you don't know. And that's the problem that I have when people use any religion or any belief system or any faith to hurt people or to stop people from doing things that they themselves have the luxury of doing, like marrying. You know, I never understood that because I I mean, I have an issue with marriage in the sense of the context of marriage has to be basically, you know, okayed through this godless entity which is any government you know whether a government says they're christian or not i mean it's bullshit they're not christian um and in america i mean it wasn't a christian i mean when we talked about that and that's a that's a dead horse but the idea that and that's where i think a lot of the nationalism comes into play with the christians where they see that they are right and there is no wrong so they feel like they have to do this for god because they've been enlightened and they've been they've they know the truth right and the thing is like i 
would say that I know the same truth. Like I feel the same truth, but the way it's carried out is entirely different, you know, but like you feeling judged (laughs) and you feeling not like you fit in. I mean, I felt that way for years, even just as a pastor, as a leader in the church, I felt like a, a fraud because I could never show who I really was with some people I could. And that was like really what kept me there for a long time. But the reality of it was that you had this institution that people put into place, which is the context of the church. And that's when you get people like pastors saying like, well, I voted for Trump, you know, but evidently, and it's just like, you know, like if I would have put on social media that I voted for like Biden or I voted for, you know, anybody running against a Republican candidate. You would have been fired. Uh, yeah, I would have gotten in trouble. I mean, that would have been a fucking meeting. I mean, think about it. But it's about, okay for the head pastor to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, think about it. Like, can you imagine working a job where they can come in? Like, say you're working, say you work where I work. You work for IU Health, right? And you go into work Monday morning and they call you in. There's all these higher ups, there's all these suits in there, and you're just like, All right, what's up? And they're like, Well, we see that your uh, rumor mill is. Oh my God. <laughs> rumor mill is. That's what I fucking hate that term because it's so annoying. But you're dating somebody that's not a believer. And you're like, Yeah, I mean, what is a believer? And I, this I, really happened. Yeah, and this really happened. And then, like, they use that against you. I mean,. In any other context, that's a lawsuit, right? And I would never sue the church. I mean, that's that's not biblical, you know? And, and what I think they did wasn't biblical either, but that's beside the point. But just to show you that, like, that traditionalism and delusional thinking is catered to by environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why, like, when you look at cults, you know, have... We have a friend that grew up in a cult, but I've known a few people in my life that were raised in cults or were in a cult in their adult life for a time period. And those people, they're highly watched and they're highly guarded because that delusional thinking is catered to and it's nurtured. And you can't get outside of that because then you can be swayed, Mm -hmm. right? And any cult is like that. I'm not saying the Christian church is a cult, but there are a lot of Christian church cults out there that would never say they're a cult. But they're a fucking cult. I mean, I got a definition is a cult. This is kind of off topic, but it has to do with the church. And it just reminds me because we, we've been learning about genetics and biology. And don't ask me to explain it. But <laughs> we were talking about, especially with the election and, and things that are going on in the world, we were talking about genetics and we were talking about skin color and like racism and... And we had to write this reflection paper, basically, about our views on racism and also, like, how it plays into genetics and all of that. And Mm -hmm. I remember, like, one thing I talked about when I was a child going to church, and I'm sure many can relate, when you walk into a church or even if you just look at, you know, picture of Jesus or just any type of um, art it was always white people you know Jesus was always white and I remember even a young mind I'd be like and, and they would always say Adam and Eve was white or they would portray them as white 
And in my mind, like as a six, seven-year-old, I'm like, if they were white, then how do we have black people? And I remember thinking that. Yeah. And even like just as a young child, like because, you know, children are innocent and don't view, they don't know what racism is unless they're raised that way, which Mm -hmm. more so now than when I was a kid. But I was never raised like that. I, I didn't know what racism was when I was little. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm like, well, what about people that aren't white? Like, well, I mean, I think that's a thing of art history. Yeah. Why that was like that. And for many years, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But now you can like find artwork and illustrations of different. Yeah. But definitely. But I remember going to um, church with my grandma. You know, I, I forget what church it was because she went to a couple different ones. And I always loved looking at the stained glass artwork. And yeah. But I remember at this specific church, you would walk in and it would literally have just different pictures of Jesus and his life from basically birth until he was crucified. Yeah. And it was really neat artwork. But it was all white people. <laughs> yeah, m- most of the Jesuses look like a. They really look like a skinny hippie that could have been like in the Manson family. Yeah, you know. I don't know why, but I was obsessed with Jesus's crucifixion when I was little. Really. And John the Baptist when beheading. he was beheaded. Yeah. You can no, ask my mom. I, like, I used to like that scene. Oh yeah. To be rewinded, and I'm like, oh, I want to yeah. watch it again. You like watching Jesus get? It's kind of weird. No, that's that's not weird. I mean, that's a fascination, you know. Just like that one scene in Salem's Lot when he gets picked up and he gets oh. shoved against the all the yeah. what is it like antlers or like something yeah. on the wall? Yeah. Ooh. No, I, you know, I, I mean, those are all valid points. And you look at a lot of, uh, you know, I think like stained glass windows. I mean, you know, I've told you the history behind that, right? The sort what? The history behind like the stained glass windows. I don't know. Tell me churches. again. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty short and simple, but, um, you know, most of people in churches were illiterate, mm-hmm. and most people that went to churches were poor, because there was a time where churches, there was no social security, there's no social welfare programs, and the churches took care of people, um, which I'm sure presented a shit ton of problems, too, but a lot of the people that went into churches, like, the concept or the idea that you would have a Bible to read or a Torah um, on scrolls is just unheard of. The printing press, you know, hadn't been an in- invented. Um, the Muslims hadn't invented paper yet. So you would go into these places, and a lot of people, I mean, they were just farmers, and uh, they were illiterate. So those church stained glass windows depicted scenes out of the Bible so they could look at those, and then they could basically put together without having to read because they weren't able to read and i mean like nobody had books i mean that's why like in when judaism was in the middle east people would just listen to rabbis it was it was important because that was the only time you're going to hear that people would follow rabbis and ask them questions because you couldn't just go home and read you know and that's why people would memorize things you know not like now where you can buy you can get Bibles for free or you can get Qurans for free, you know? Mm-hmm. 
but you know i don't know the church is just a hard topic for me to talk about anymore because i just get angry i just get so um i just don't feel good inside you know i don't get i'm not like pissed off i'm just let down you know yeah well babe you're not a part of that anymore oh i know but you know that's like looking back it's like i don't know if i was ever a part of it because i never had any of those leanings my my beliefs are all the same though yeah but i mean like you don't have to get up and go to work every day miserable and trying to like fully well not that you ever hid who you were but you had to walk on eggshells yeah i mean there was a time where i didn't have to hide at all i mean i preached sermons and high on fire t-shirts and motorhead t-shirts and sleep hoodies and stuff and like the cover of dope smoker i mean and that was never a big deal or never an issue and and i love preaching i mean i haven't done it in a long time and if somebody came down and like hey grant would you be a pastor at a church it, oh no i mean I, I don't like why you know that would be yeah. my question why and but like with our story um how you were treated how Michaela was treated and yeah how I was treated to a degree but I'm I'm okay with me it's just like when people hurt people that you love it really makes you look at things differently you know and even like my parents are that way you know my parents don't go to church and I don't go to church and I'm that's okay I mean that's blasphemy to the institution of the American church, but in reality, uh, I, I would ask the question, why, why is it not okay? And I, they would throw out a few verses, like why you need to be connected to the body of believers or the body of Christ. But, you know, I would say, how am I not, you know? Right. I mean, how am I not, you know, like, uh, because I don't go to these services that, you know, is this institution of God. We talked about that documentary with uh, David Bazan from, uh, I can't remember what band he was in. Judah, the line, Pedro, the line, some band, it's like an alternative band. Thrasher and like Austin were really into him. And I, you know, I didn't grow up with that stuff, but you know, I, I like his story and he was a huge Christian artist. I don't know. I mean, maybe they were Christians. I don't know. But he walked away from his faith, but he really didn't. He just like walked away from the institution of faith, mm-hmm. and you know he experienced all the. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, all these people are like, oh, we love, we love everybody, and you know the, the concept that love wins is a joke to them, you know, and um, but when he walked away, it was the same thing that I experienced, where it's like, people view you differently now. They view you as like lost and. You know, they'd look at you differently. Like when you run into people from the church, which I do not like doing, you know, they'd look at you like, uh, I don't know, it's like you just murdered somebody, you know, like, uh uh-oh, like there's there's Grant. Like there's an example of what can happen. And that is that like environmental delusional thinking, you know, that people get trapped into. I mean, it's not just the church. It's in every facet of life, you know. But... Yeah, I, I look at me like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm right, man. I, I hope I'm right. I mean, there's a big part of me that hopes I'm wrong that, 
you know, I, I do have this uh, William Barclay type. He was a theologian from Scotland. He's been dead for decades. I think he died in 1978 or 1984. But, you know, towards the last like few years of his life, he became a Christian universalist. And he believed that, like, everybody goes to heaven and or everybody has the opportunity to go to heaven. And, you know, we're, we're not all the same. We're not, it's not a level playing field. I mean, there's a lot of people, like, fear science for some weird reason. I don't know why, but, you know, there's a study that was done. Um, and this is real. I mean, it's not just, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not this hyperbolic, like, bullshit. It's a... Uh, They've done brain scans on people, which is basically like you can view, you can take pictures of the brain as it's working. Mm-hmm. And so you have like the frontal lobe or like the frontal cortex and you have your midbrain. And the midbrain is where things that like the root origin of survival. So like to eat, to, to kill, to procreate, things like that. But then the frontal lobe is where your personality comes from. It's where... Um, you decide to, you know, like what you're about, things like that. And I'm not a doctor. I don't want to be a fucking doctor, but the midbrain is, so the idea that like addiction is this character flaw or what you believe in is a character flaw, um, really isn't true. It's it's not, I mean, it's, it's pretty black and white and because it, it, it comes from the midbrain. It doesn't come from the frontal lobe. So They've done brain scans on people that have been raised in poverty, okay, as they've grown. And people that are raised in poverty, um, the biggest thing that happens in poverty is that you do not have a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And when somebody doesn't have a sense of safety, it affects everything in your life. So imagine like you're growing and how you're growing is abnormal and it's unhealthy. So as you continue to grow, everything else will be abnormal and unhealthy, but you'll still survive. So they've done these studies, and people that are raised in poverty, their brains develop differently than those who aren't raised in poverty. So I would say like one of the the common things of somebody not raised in poverty is you do not have to worry about where you're going to live, what you're going to eat, if shit goes sideways, how you're going to survive. People in poverty have to worry about that every second. You know, how are we going to survive? Are we going to survive? How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? There's not, th- there's no safety. So a lot of things happen in that. But so the idea that, you know, you just need to accept this and believe this, you know, is like the analogy of me saying, I'm going to wear a white t-shirt every day for the rest of my life. But then one day you wake up and you realize all your white t-shirts are dirty or you just don't fucking feel like wearing a white t-shirt, <laughs> you know? But you already said you were going to wear a white t-shirt. So there's a lot of concepts that, like, Christians and any religious group like to just kind of box in and say, this is the way it is, and it's very black and white. And the reality is it's just not. I mean, it's it's just not. And that's my issue with all of that. Yeah, um, kind of talking about the brain like we've talked about that with me because you and I had two totally different upbringings Um, which I didn't grow up in poverty but I grew up without the feeling of 
safety in the manner, like what I mean by that is, you know, we moved around a lot. So I never felt like I had a home. Yeah. I mean, I had a home. But you asked me the other day, because we were talking, do I have any memory, or do I remember having like a, a place where I actually felt like I could call home? Mm-hmm. And I don't. And, you know, and I wasn't abused or anything like that, but my mom was a single mom, and she had a history of unhealthy relationships as well, and never had a stable male figure in my life, moved around constantly, went to three or four different schools, and I think that played a huge part in decisions that I made as an adult. And always feeling like, what was that that you mentioned? It was recently, um, maybe it was today. You were talking about when, oh, it was, you were talking about the personality disorder where someone like internally is a wreck, but they... uh, Borderline personality. Yeah, but what you're talking about is... With that, and I'm not saying that's, I'm, I don't have personality disorder, but I just mean like <laughs> you feel like a wreck inside. Yeah. So you make decisions in your life that will basically create chaos in order to match how you feel on the inside. Yep. And I think that kind of goes along with more than just a personality disorder. I think that kind of, I don't know, but that made sense. Yeah. Because you, like, when you grow up in a certain environment or, you know, certain things that you experience continuously as a child, whether it be negative or positive, you're going to seek those types of things because that's what you know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know... If you look at, it's just like divorce, like statistically speaking, people that come from divorced families are, have a higher rate of getting a divorce when they get older. But people that don't come from divorced families, they still have a almost 50% chance of getting a divorce. But once you get a divorce, you have a higher chance of getting another divorce, statistically speaking. Now, this might offend somebody, but tough shit. You just have to deal with it. And that, that doesn't mean like it's set in stone. Right? Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily mean you. It's like the idea that you've been molested and you will molest somebody. That's not the case. But when you're raised in a place that you don't have safety, you don't know what safety feels like, um, things can't grow off of that. And it really manifests a lot of other things that are, are negative because you learn how to adapt abnormally in some of those coping mechanisms. Um they're based in survival mode and they work i mean a prime example would be to look at the show uh it's a fucking show i hear it all the time in group um group therapy sessions people bring it up uh, uh, shameless. shameless yeah frank uh, gallagher you know I, i've watched all of shameless it's fucking sad and hilarious but like if you look at that family it's like they're all working to survive and they do terrible things to survive because it's the only thing they know how to do and they spin it off like in a comedy kind of way, but the reality is like if you were fucking lip in the Gallagher family, like 
you're not a happy person, you know? Yeah, it might be fun, like, you get drunk and you get laid and all this bullshit, but the reality is, like, it's abnormal and it's very unhealthy, and you carry that shit into adulthood, and then all of a sudden, that cycle repeats, and that's, I mean, that's a crazy thing. You know, I was thinking, you know, like, you know me, like, I listen to several different podcasts pretty regularly, and... I watch uh, a handful of YouTubers pretty regularly. They're all, for the most part, music-oriented or comedians. Um, But one thing I would like to do with our podcast is one thing I love, and I've never, like, one podcast that I listen to does this, but they're mainly YouTubers that do this, but they have different segments. And what that does is it breaks up um, your podcast and it helps you kind of be able to get through a podcast but also like be entertained to where you can interject like heavy shit and then you can also have like lighthearted fun shit so like a prime example would be like on the jamie josta podcast he does like yours is ours is and that's where people will submit songs that sound like other songs (laughs) and you know they'll play both of them they'll play a clip and, I mean, there's been a shit ton on there, but it'll be like a riff or a chorus or something from a band, you know, 20 years before, and then they'll play a band that, like, 20 years after that other band recorded it, played something very similar, and then they'll and they'll have fun with it. And I always, like, enjoyed those segments, and he's got a bunch of different segments that are pretty cool. He doesn't do them all that much anymore, but um, I would like to do segments on here where we kind of, like, break up shit. That would be fun. I mean, like, one I was thinking about was where we use the DSM-5. So the DSM-5 is the, basically the mental health dis, um, disorder the book, manual. That, yeah, that huge-ass book. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health Oh, my gosh. I disorders. can see myself reading through that thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I have this. <laughs> oh, my God, I have this. Yeah. It's, uh, it comes out everybody. They come out with a new one every 10 years or so, 10 or 15 years, and, uh, you know, I have a copy at work, and then I have a copy here at home because I, they're usually like a couple hundred bucks, and we found them for like thirty bucks that one day. You know, mm-hmm. and um, but it'd be cool just to like pick a random one because there's different categories, and uh, I hear, you know, they're they'll be coming out with a new one here probably like in the next three to two to five years or so. But I think there's an could be wrong but what i'm hearing is there's like a a video gaming one like gamers they have a disorder and that's where i mean I, they it hasn't came out yet so i can't like tell you everything but just like what i've heard and this is what just other people have heard that i work with like doctors like people that know shit that it's like online shopping is another one social media is another one where you get on there and you just spout your shit where online shopping is you have an issue where what's the video game one the video game one is where you become you're a gamer and you basically your social life only exists in gaming communities Mm -hmm. and there's an issue because people um will get on and then they lose all track of time and then they lose their jobs, their spouses leave them because they just get consumed by That's all they playing do. a video game. Yeah, so, and I've seen examples like, for instance, where a guy will be, you know, like World of Warcraft is a huge game. I never 
you know, I'm not a gamer, so I don't really know a whole lot about the game, but there were people that were going home. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not laughing at them. It's just kind of crazy. But it's I'm laughing because it, it is kind of funny because it's real. But they would go home on their lunch break, and they'd have like an hour lunch break, and they're like, all right, I'm going to eat and play at the same time. And, you know, so they get off at 12 for their lunch break, and they have to be back to work at 1. And then they look up, and it's like 6.30. Oh, damn. And everyone went back to work. And they do that regularly or they come home and then they stay up until six o'clock in the morning you know and then they sleep all day they sleep all day so uh, and like they're finding out that again i'm not a psychiatrist don't want to be one but there's a lot of things that people do in the process to cover up things or to mask things or try to attempt to overcome things anxiety being one of them social anxiety being another so like the idea that you know there, there's a thing like there's a jewish uh proverb there's a couple of jewish proverbs that i really like one's like a prophet will never be accepted in his hometown and another one is like don't take uh what a what a grieving person says to heart and the idea behind that is like somebody that's going through some shit and going through some pain like, you have to give, you have to show them grace. So there's things that, like, you could experience, like death or illness, chronic illness, or, like, bankruptcy, or you lose your job, things like that. Um, kind of like in the Holmes Rahe, like, category of levels of stress. And you do things for a certain period of time to get through things. And it's okay, right? Mm-hmm. Some people can't let those things go so i'll show i'll give you an example so like say you i mean i'm going to do some self-disclosure here but i don't want to get too much say like you experience like a major tragedy in your life right Mm -hmm. we don't have to like name one it's just a major tragedy and your your whole life gets uprooted and it could be a loss of job a death parent dies a spouse dies kid dies something Something fucked up, you know, not just like I had a bad day. And you start doing things to just help you get through the day, right? And those things could be like very unhealthy. It could be like drinking, fucking anything that walks, or just like totally isolating yourself. Most people will go through a period of that and they will get through it. And then they will, over a period of time, they will kind of be able to look and be like, okay, I. This hasn't changed anything, you know, like I'm dealing with my grief by like drinking all the time or spending money or traveling and doing something. Basically, it's stuff to distract yourself. From yeah, but healing. most people, they'll do that and then they get to a point where they realize it's not helping, but they've had a, enough time from the point of that particular event where they can start to. Even it's only like for a little bit, they can start to like throughout the day, they can start to look and go, okay, like, yeah, this, this sucks, but you know, I have to start moving forward or moving on with my life and and they'll make changes in their life. And and it's not that they stop grieving or they stop like whatever. Um, but there's some people that get into that and they can't stop. And those people do develop disorders or, Addiction, I mean, addiction is a disorder. It didn't used to be. 
but it's, it's a disorder. Um, well, it wasn't classified. It's always been a disorder, but, but they'll, they'll have those things. And I would love it if we just like took, we just ran. I mean, there's, there's never going to be a, we, we won't run out of disorders. Let's just say that. (laughs) But we just pick one. I mean, you remember that one I was reading to you? It's like people that eat hair. That's funny because I was just about to say, like, I know there is a weird one. Well, what was that one TV show? Um, My Weird Addiction? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that shit's real. Like, people that eat fucking drywall. There's another one that people eat vomit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's real, you know? Yeah. So, I'd like to have a segment where we pick one and... We just talk about it for like, you know, I don't know, five or ten minutes or longer. But well, you know that won't that won't work. <laughs> yeah, but to break to break up, you know, because I want to. That's like one thing with this podcast. I want to keep talking about what we've already talked about. But we do need to get some other yeah stuff involved. Yeah, because yeah. we have really talked a lot about our story. Yeah, and. And I'm sure things will come up that we've not discussed or, you know, we'll, we'll repeat some things, but I think that's a good idea. And this new board we have, um, can't figure out how to work it. (laughs) I forgot how to work it. (laughs) We made it work that one day and then we haven't like fucked with it for like a month. And, um, we could record on that, but I can't do the intro. So I got to figure that out tomorrow, but it has a thing where we can, I can patch calls through and that'd be awesome yeah so we'll get ken on here we'll get some people that you know necessarily don't live close to us that can't come they could still be on yeah and and we have like a few guests lined up nothing like scheduled but you know yeah i know that you know you're gonna you want jesse and josh yeah yeah they'll be on here they said they'd be happy to do it life just got busy but yeah that's definitely in the books yeah, hit them up. See if they'll come on next week. You want to do them next week? If they can do it? I'll talk to them. Okay. But yeah, I think we should wrap this up tonight. Okay. Well, it's been amazing talking to you all again. We've missed you. And we will, I was going to say see you, but we will talk to you next week. Have a great night.